This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's get going here on BetQLU. It is the third edition of the BetQLU Live College Basketball Breakdown with myself, Eli Herskovich, Thomas Gusali. We are live on Twitter. We are live on Facebook, breaking down the Saturday college basketball card. My man, Tom Casali, how are we doing today? I'm feeling good. A, a month away from Selection Sunday, one of the great days of the year. I can't wait. And uh, today, the top 16 come out. Hey, it's college basketball season. Full steam ahead. Let's go. Uh, yeah, no, good note that you brought up. About at about 11.30, 11.40 Eastern, so 10.40, uh, 10.45-ish Central, we'll be giving out those uh, top 16 seeds, the projected top six, uh, top 16 seeds that come out on CBS um, in about like 40, uh, 45 minutes. We'll hit on those, any any value in the college basketball title futures market. We'll get to that later in the show. But Tom, want to start off with one of the bigger games on the card, on the early card for college basketball today. Indiana at Ohio State. If we look at this line currently on points bet, among other books, I believe it went back down to Ohio State laying six and a half. Yeah, it's Ohio State minus six and a half, minus 115 juice there. And the total in that game, 136 and a half. Indiana plus 235. I have a bet on Indiana. I got it at seven a couple of weeks ago, or not a couple of weeks ago, a couple, of, uh, maybe like 20 or 30 minutes ago. Um, any, any thoughts on that game for you before I give my breakdown? Yeah, it almost made my my final card. Uh, I just couldn't get there after Indiana playing the double overtime game on Wednesday. Uh, I, I do lean Indiana here. I mean, you're looking at a team that plays a ton of close games. They've had five overtime games, two in double overtime. Uh, I think they're 11 and eight, and I think Indiana's better than their record. Uh, I think they uh, cause a lot of problems defensively. Uh, this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, Indiana is one of those teams I think, you know, is probably going to make the tournament. And they can give teams some issues uh, with their defense. So, obviously, Ohio State hitting on all cylinders offensively. So, I'm looking forward to this matchup. Uh, I didn't play it myself, but I do lean that way. You do lean Indiana. One of the reasons why I like Indiana in this game, Race Thompson mentioned this when you were on the score on Early Odds, filled in for Joe O earlier today on a Radio.com sports station. Um. Garza was, if you go back to that last matchup with Ohio State or with Indiana and Iowa last Sunday, yes, Garza had foul trouble in the first half, but Race Thompson is one of the more underrated bigs defensively in the Big Ten, and he really slowed down Garza on the block. So he's going to probably match up with EJ Liddell, and even, even if you put Trace Jackson Davis on Liddell, that's a defensive matchup that I think leans towards Indiana. I know Liddell is very good. very He has a lot of finesse down low, and Key is also a big piece of what Ohio State does on the block, kind of an underrated big off the bench. But I think Indiana has that matchup advantage defensively, or at least can give Liddell enough problems. And then you think about from a matchup standpoint, there really is no matchup advantage for Indiana offensively in this game. Ohio State uh, can shoot the three ball at a pretty high clip. That's the key to this game, if you think about it. 
I've been waiting for that Ohio State regression defensively from three. Indiana doesn't shoot the three ball that consistently, but if they have one of those games where fantasy's on and they're spacing the floor at a really high rate, um, we saw Hunter come off uh, that, I think he was out against Iowa, came back against Northwestern, hit some big shots. I think three possessions is a little too much, especially in a must-win spot like you mentioned for Indiana trying to get into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and one thing uh, I think Indiana has done is, uh, and it takes some time in, in a season like this, is they found their identity. You know, they're a defensive-minded, grind-it-out kind of team. Uh, that's how they play. They're going to play a lot of close games. So that that's why I don't mind taking. If I could have gotten seven, I probably would have taken it. That was the number I was looking for. I didn't see it on, on my end. So that was the deciding factor for me not to jump on it. Let's see if it goes back up to seven. I'll keep you posted on that, Tom, throughout the show. And any questions we have, again, you can leave some comments. Gambling God 111 asked, or I just said, Eli training for the fight versus Tom. I probably will get my ass kicked in that sort of a matchup. So we're going to stay away from a, an Eli versus Tom fight, uh, at least on today's the, the, show. One thing, the one thing I like is somebody DM me and they made a good point. You mentioned about your bench pressing last week and you said that your biceps were sore and somebody DM me and said, um, Eli's got to be the first person who bench press who has sore biceps. Is he doing it That's right? Fair. <laughs> That's fair. But I think it was from something else earlier in the week. Also, I had it worked out in three months. So let's give you a fucking, let's give you a break here. All right, man. Jeez. What a dick. All right, moving on to the rest of the college basketball card. As we, uh, we're we just underway here on BetQLU. Actually, I want to do this first. Um, we appreciate anybody that's sticking along, uh, sticking around here, and waiting for the rest of our college basketball breakdown. But want to give out those $50 college basketball futures bets uh, for anybody that left, review on, left a review on iTunes. So, Tom, why don't you start us off? The Yeah, well... Um... I actually forgot who it is. You have the names, don't I you? I do. I okay. do. I, I know why I picked them, but just throw me out the name. All right. So you picked Bob April 77, I believe. I picked yes. Jingham 9. So those yeah. are our two winners. Yep, those are our two winners. And uh, the reason I picked Bob April, there was a lot of good uh, future uh, suggestions in there. But I really liked his Oklahoma to make the final four pick. Uh, I actually jumped on that after reading his uh, his suggestion. The that's I've I've been high on Oklahoma since the preseason. I don't know if they're going to win it all, but Oklahoma to make the Final Four to me sounds like a solid bet. So that was the reason I picked him. I picked Jingham nine because you gave us like three breakdowns on on a couple of teams he liked. Now I don't really like all of them necessarily. He said Texas Tech at twenty to one. McClung is not hard is hard not to root for. The Big Twelve is so loaded. Also mentioned UConn and. They've fallen off. They look like an NIT team without book night. They're playing Xavier today around a, a four-point dog on the road. Alabama at 40 to one. I really like. So that's, you know, you mentioned Alabama. You're probably going to get 50 bucks. Yeah. And uh, the I, I saw a lot of people on there put, you know, like Eli's the go. I mean, here's the thing. We do this again. You want me to pick you. Don't, you know, don't put that nonsense on there. That nonsense. That's enough. Uh, my man's my man Mers uh, commented saying thoughts on MSU Iowa. Does Frederick Fredericks he wrote it's Frederick CJ Frederick one of their guards back make the difference for you Eli? We'll talk about that game as we go along here. We we just hit on Indiana for Ohio State that anybody for anybody that jumped in a live betting strategy for me for that game by the way if it gets up to seven seven and a half live I would take Indiana because you're getting three possessions so I would wait if it doesn't go back to seven uh, pregame. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably the game I'm interested in watching the most today, uh, just because, you know, that Indiana team, like I said, 
you know, and when the tournament comes out, it's all about matchups, but that's the type of team, you know, that they can give, they can give other teams fits with the way they play if they get in the right bracket. So uh, I'll be interested to see how they play against a, a dynamic offensive team like uh, Ohio State today, who's just on fire from three. I'm with you. If Indiana is on from three, like you, you face a zone and not granted, not all college basketball teams play zone, but they could shoot against the zone is my point. We saw that against Iowa. I mean, Fran McCaffrey, like his team can't even play zone defense. That's how bad it is defensively. We saw that against uh, Indiana last Sunday and we'll hit on Iowa, Michigan state again in, in a couple minutes. Um, another game I want to hit on on the early car, Tom, is Oklahoma at West Virginia. I believe this line is back down to two and a half where it opened at. Let's double check. Uh, actually up to three and a half. So money just came back on West Virginia. It was up to three and a half earlier in the morning, back to two and a half now, back up to three and a half. So Oklahoma, a three and a half point dog, West Virginia favored by three and a half, total of 136, 146, and Oklahoma plus 145 on the money line. Yeah, I don't really have a strong opinion on this game. Uh, these are two teams I know that, uh, at least I like. Uh, Oklahoma hasn't hasn't played in, since, since February 6th, uh, beat Iowa State, and they had that tough stretch where they played Kansas, Texas, Alabama, Texas Tech. So, you know, this is I, – I would lean West Virginia at home, but Oklahoma has shown that they play their best against best the, the top competition. So, uh, you know, one, one – thing I would look at here and I don't bet a lot of totals is maybe the under I see this being a low scoring game I don't disagree especially the way Oklahoma defends their 28th and adjusted defensive efficiency the biggest issue for me and you go back to that Oklahoma West Virginia game when they played at the beginning of conference play West Virginia did not shoot well in the first half they had a pretty poor shooting game overall now the question is does West Virginia regress in this game because they're bound to shoot worse overall in conference play they're shooting 43.3 percent Miles McBride is shooting around 45% from three. I love this West Virginia team. I have a future on them. Tom, I know you liked what you saw from them on, on a Wednesday night at Texas Tech, but can Oklahoma's defense defend the perimeter a little better? And can, does West Virginia just have an off shooting night and a potential letdown spot after coming off that big Texas Tech win as six and a half point dogs? Yeah, I mean, it's two good teams. And one of the things I said to you, like I know everyone, we love to look at the analytics and the numbers, but something I noticed about West Virginia is that they've had a couple setbacks this year and seems to me like they're coming together as a team. This is one of those teams that just like, I don't know, I watch them and, you know, they, they fall behind by 15. It doesn't phase them. They come back. That's something in the tournament. You know, that's why I said, you know, I kind of like the Missouri team because they're experienced. But when you, when you're playing that well together and you can come back from those big yep. deficits, that, that builds some confidence in the tournament. So I really do like this West Virginia team to make a deep run in March. And you think about that Oklahoma State game when they were down 19 at the break. Like, that's one of those wins where, granted, they might have won at Texas Tech earlier in the week regardless of whether that happened or not. But that seemed to propel them a little bit. Mm -hmm. And they lost to Texas later in the week as I think they closed around one-and-a-half-point favorites on the Andrew Jones shot at the buzzer or, or around a second left. But if McBride doesn't shoot well, if McNeil doesn't shoot well, by the way, some comments coming in, Taz Sherman is upgraded to probable, according to Jeff Goodman. And uh, I think I don't want to say that's why the line moved about a, a half a point a point. I think money's just coming in on West Virginia because the market uh, respects what they've done and coming off that big win. I just, I'm staying away. Maybe I take West Virginia live um, if they're down at the half, down by, let's say they, they're at plus five, plus six, keep within a couple possessions. That's probably my buy point. 
Yeah, and I'm just going to watch this game. This is, uh, this is a, like I said, two teams I really like, two teams I think that can make a, a deep run in March, so it should be a good game. If West Virginia doesn't regress, they probably win this game by a couple possessions. Just, just for uh, no, because I don't think I don't think Oklahoma really has any sort of matchup advantage in this game offensively. On to the next game on the card. This is your lean time. So uh, to backtrack, I have Indiana plus seven. I would wait to get that one live if it doesn't go back up to seven before tip. You have a lean on Auburn at Kentucky. Yeah, it's a lean. I I took a little bit on Kentucky minus one and a half. Now this is up to two and a half, three points. Actually, three. Yeah, three and yeah, six. It was two and a half this morning. Now it's up to three. You know, I can't tell you to bet Kentucky at three. Uh, They're just not good enough. And I don't really have a huge breakdown for this. I just feel like from what I've been seeing from Kentucky, they've been getting better the last couple of games. The team can't close, though. I I mean, God darn it. Every game, uh, you know, they're choking down the stretch. You know, they have a a big advantage in in offense and defensive rebounding in this game. Uh, they, they the two teams already played. It was it was close. Uh, Auburn uh, kind of pulled away a little bit at the end. You had Auburn that day, and they did bother them with the ball pressure. But yeah, Kentucky's had a tough season. I think this is a game sets up at home. Their third straight home game against a team they can beat. I do lean Kentucky here, but I wouldn't advise laying three points. Yeah, that's a lot of points for a team that yeah. you mentioned the game against Arkansas on Wednesday or Tuesday. Like if you you can't even get the ball past half court with four seconds left, and then you we saw what happened against Tennessee. They were up double digits in the second half. Yes, Tennessee locked down defensively. They got a ton of great fast break opportunities with Springer and Keon Johnson. I know Tennessee almost blew not blew the game, but they were covering against Georgia throughout that second half, and they ended up uh, Georgia ended up covering on the back door. Uh, I think that margin was eight. But yeah, I I can't back Kentucky, man. I I don't trust this team. One, one thing, and I know one of our, our friends on Twitter is actually listening to the show. I want to pull up his name. I believe it's it's Trey's on Twitter, something like that. Really sharp college basketball handicapper. He always makes the point that, okay, sharp money is coming in on Michigan State. Sharp money is coming in on Kentucky. Sharp money is coming in on Duke. Duke, a favorite yet again today, uh, unsurprisingly to us. It's always going to happen because people are expecting the bounce back and public mm-hmm. money is coming in on those teams because it's Kentucky. It's Michigan State. It's Duke. Don't bet like that. And I know you lean to Kentucky, but you're not betting it. No, and uh, and this is more to me. Uh, I- I'm kind of going against Auburn here. You know the I listen. If you tell me you don't want to bet Kentucky, I don't have an argument against that. I've been betting against Kentucky and Duke all season. This is just <laughs> I think one of those spots where Kentucky finally can get a win at home against a team that they match up pretty well against. But I mean, like you said, I I'm not going to put a ton of money on Kentucky right now or Duke. Uh, because the market is over is always going to overvalue them. And, you know, the, the sharp money, the, I mean, sometimes it wins, sometimes it loses, you know, <laughs> the, yeah, I'm not, do not, if you're, if you're watching this show, you're not going to get any, any of that crap from us, any of no. that shit. Like, Oh, sharp money's going this way. Follow the trade or reverse line movement because money's coming out of Kentucky. Go the other way. No, you, you know, the only time I really find that interesting or helpful is if it's like a random NFL game, like the Falcons and the and Carolina. With a bigger maybe handle. Not a lot of, maybe not a lot of people are betting it, and maybe the line's off somewhere, and I'm not seeing it. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind sure. of the only time, but there's too much of that nonsense going around. Neither of these teams really has a matchup advantage in this game. No. They're about even in size. Maybe Kentucky plays well. But, man, Olivier Saras, you want to talk about one of the most disappointing players in college basketball? I know Kentucky doesn't have a true point guard like they've had in years past, but – that guy is 
I thought he was going to be a monster coming from Wake Forest. He's so inconsistent, especially that mid-range jump shot. So a lean for Kentucky. For Tom, that's about it. We think the market is kind of overvaluing them at this point at minus three. Uh, it's time, Tom, for the Patriot League lightning round. We don't have any music oh, for you. I'm wow. sorry. I'm sorry, but you're up. Yeah, we're actually zipping through these games. How about it? Yeah, we, we usually don't get to that to, to the towards the end of the show. So I, as when we came on the air, we had three games. Who knows at this point? Uh, they, they cancel Patriot League games like it's nobody's business. <laughs> you know, first game, Boston uh, minus four and a half at Holy Cross. Uh, these two, te- these two uh, teams met earlier in the season. I think BU's gotten a little bit better since, but they haven't played in so long. Their last two games were against Lafayette, where the defense looked better. They held Lafayette 10 of 45 from three-point range. Um, you know, Holy Cross hasn't won since January 10th, and four of their, but four of their six games have been against Colgate. So, and Colgate's one of the top two teams in that conference. Um, I would normally lean BU here in this spot, but the layoff concerns me. I'm going to look for a close game here, and if there, if, if it's if it's a tight one, I'm going to take BU tomorrow on the back to back. Second game, this is a good one. Colgate minus four at Army. Again, the, the layoffs are a problem. Uh, Colgate, normally I would lay the four here, but something to watch out for is Army has been really good in the second leg of back-to-backs. They beat both Colgate and Navy on Sundays after losing to them on Saturday. So that's one of the things I'm going to look for again uh, tomorrow. If Colgate wins this game today, I'm going to go Army tomorrow. We'll see what that line is. You can always follow me on Twitter to see what I'm taking Sunday in the Patriot League. And then the last game, and I think Eli and I have a, a different uh, difference of opinion. I'm not betting here. it. I'm not betting okay. it. Uh, I like Lafayette minus three against Loyola, and, I, and I'll tell you why. These teams have played four times. Games have been decided by two, two, four, and 13. So close games, um, high-scoring games, 152, 142, 137, and 156. Um, only one time did a team not reach 70 points. So neither of these teams play defense. I can tell you that. I've seen all these games. Um, but let me tell you something. Loyola's three-point defense might be the worst in the country. And that's all Lafayette does is shoot a long twos and threes. And I think the COVID situation hurts teams like that. But I like that they played last Sunday. They found their offense. Um, they've had a week of practice now. I like La- – let me tell you something. Lafayette is going to have open looks today. If they knock them down, they'll win this game easy. Uh, so I, I lean the over. Uh, these two teams play a lot of high-scoring games, but I like Lafayette at home minus three. That's an official play for me. Just to kind of get some perspective on what Tom was saying, uh, Loyola, Maryland has the 13th worst three-point shooting defense in college basketball. I know they play kind of a smaller sample size. The 14th worst three-point scoring rate defensively in the country. So, And Lafayette shoots it at a, at a 36.8% clip from three. That's good for 52nd and a 34.3% uh, three-point scoring rate, which is good for top 85 in college basketball. If they're hitting threes, like Tom's mentioning, my question is, is a little back and forth here on Patriot League. Um, does does Lafayette have the matchup to go up against Sandy, uh, Santi Aldama? I, you might say, well, Lafayette's going to shoot threes. Maybe they blow him out. doesn't matter. But I don't think they have the big to go up against him, and maybe he kind of dominates today. No, and he's given them trouble in all the games for sure. Um and again, this if you if you if you've watched these games, these are two teams that get a lot of open looks. <laughs> um, there's not going to be a lot of defense played, and that was the problem uh, when uh, Loyola beat Lafayette by 13 last weekend. The Lafayette just kept missing shots. They had that problem with BU. So 
you know, I, I mentioned last week to somebody who DM'd me, I said on Sunday I kind of liked the over because I thought Lafayette was due to start start hitting on offense. You know, they do have shooters on that team. And if Loyola's going to leave them open like they have been, I think it could be a long day for them. You mentioned, I just want to go back to the, I, I'm with you there. I just want to go back to uh, Aldama. 30, 21, 22, and 11. Those are his point totals against Lafayette. So it might consider that basic handicapping, but just in terms of not having a yeah. matchup, it's definitely of note. And Lafayette does not have an interior defense. So, yes. you know, that's, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty even game. The, the, obviously, the teams have played a bunch of times and it's come down to the wire, but I, I just think Lafayette, I, I like him today at home. For anybody that's just catching up, it is BetQLU on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow the Twitter account that we're broadcasting from at BetQL app. Tom is at, at the Tom Casali. I'm at, at Eli Herskovich. Tom, for anybody that's first watching the show, wants to know a little bit more about BetQL, why don't you give us a breakdown? Sure. Um, you know, you go to BetQL. Uh, we have we have everything you need. We have uh, model picks. We have analytical data. We have uh, sharp money, pro money, where the bets are coming in. We have different kinds of articles. We have trends. Um, it's really the place where you can get all your betting information, whether you're a casual better, whether you're a you know an experienced better, anything you need. Um, uh, bet, BetQL.co, C-O, and you can follow us on Twitter at BetQL app. Um, and we post everything, all the information on there as well. All right. So go check out, go download the BetQL app. I have a breakdown of a couple of my plays that I wrote up last night. Um, mm-hmm. You can check out and we'll, we'll uh, break down those games later on in this uh, college basketball preview for the Saturday and Sunday slate as we get you set for college basketball on February 13th. So next game that we have up, man, is Tennessee at LSU. And I believe this line is still sitting at the balls. Okay, so it's up from two and a half to three Tennessee a three-point favorite on the road in Baton Rouge against the Tigers total of 145 and a half in that game and LSU is plus 130 on the money line yeah I don't have a play in this game I do lean LSU a little bit um it just seems like a spot to take them uh get getting the three points at home you know if you look at a couple of the teams that have uh that have given Tennessee problems you know like Alabama has given them problems um, Missouri's given them problems. Uh, Florida gave them problems. You know, more athletic teams sure. that can that can stretch that defense. That's that's where I see LSU having an edge. Now, the the negative is LSU can't stop anybody defensively. Uh, I mean, just that's why I didn't play the game. This was one I was looking at. There's not many great spots today. I feel right. like this will be one for LSU, but. I have trouble back in teams at short numbers that can't stop anybody defensively, and that's LSU. Someone just asked, by the way, on Twitter or on Facebook, Antoine Marcel, I need help with today's bets, same game parlay or basketball. Uh, we will not be giving out same game parlays on today's show. But back to uh, back to your points, Tom, about LSU. I wonder how Tennessee is going to match up against Cam Thomas one of the best freshman scorers in college basketball. You could probably throw Springer or Johnson on him. Two pretty solid defenders in their own right. No real matchup advantage for either of these teams at both ends. Tennessee wants to turn you over. They have the highest turnover rate, opponent's turnover rate in SEC play, but LSU turns it over at the lowest clip in conference play. Um, Both teams are pretty bad on the glass, and they're about even in size. So it's going to come down to if LSU is going to be able to make shots. If they're making shots, or if Tennessee's defense comes to play, um, I, I I would lean towards Tennessee, uh, even at minus three, but I'm not going to play this line. Probably more of a play for me at two and a half 
Maybe you try to get Tennessee live or something like that. But I don't really see any value in this line. I think it's about right. Uh, maybe you want to take the dog time and take LSU, but I'm staying away from the game. Yeah, and it's, you know, LSU is one of those tough teams to bet because, you know, to be honest, they don't play many close games. They, they either get blown out or they, they're on fire shooting the ball and, and they win easily. Those teams are tough to cap because, like you said, LSU has to be making their shots. They can't stop you defensively, so there's no other way for them to win. Um, so, to me, that's why it's hard betting LSU games. Yeah, and you go back to that Alabama game. When they, when they absolutely blitzed LSU, hit like 25 threes, you're not going to beat, or LSU's not going to beat anybody if they don't come to play defensively. Now, Tennessee, just looking at, again, this one, one quick thing on this game, um, they're not great from three. So that's where LSU's biggest defensive issue is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're giving up the second highest three-point scoring rate in SEC play. If Tennessee's on from three, might be a two-possession win, might cover the three. Uh, but we don't, I, I'm not going to put my money down on Tennessee hitting threes consistently today. No, this is a pass. All right, uh, going along the rest of the card here. We're actually at a good time. First time ever uh, back QLU. Um, I'll give myself a pat on the back there. Iowa at Michigan State. A big game in the Big Ten for a Michigan State team that, if they want any shot at making the tournament, they need a win like this. A big quad one win at home. They already lost to Iowa on the road going back to a week and a half ago. So Iowa, four and a half point favorite. This line opened at Iowa minus five and a half, total of 152 and a half. And Sparty is plus 170 on the money line. Yeah, I don't have a play in this game. Um, yeah, I, I would lean Iowa probably just because Michigan State is so bad. But to me, Iowa needs to win this game because here's what they got coming up. Wisconsin, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin. That is a tough remaining schedule. They can't afford to lose this game to Michigan State today. You know, I I saw the, again, Iowa was one of those teams like LSU. Like I watched the first, the first game these two teams played. And Michigan State had a lot of success in the paint. It was 84-78 final. Um, you know, Michigan State, so Michigan State struggles to defend. And that's a problem against, you know, a team that's rated number one in offensive efficiency at Ken Palm. But uh, similar to LSU, it's Iowa's a tough team to bet because if they're not hitting their shots, they don't have other ways to beat you because they give up so many easy points in the paint. No, it's it's a very good point. And we look at this thing from a matchup standpoint. Let's go back to that Iowa-Michigan State game. Uh, Gabe Brown did not play for Michigan State in that one. Uh, MSU was up 11 in the first half. Um, Iowa was up by nine. That was their max lead in the second half. Uh, Michigan State made it like a two two-point game down the stretch. Uh, Iowa ended up closing out winning by six. MSU didn't shoot well in that game. Shot 39% from three, 41% from, or 39% for the field, 41% from three, shot well from three. Not overall. Iowa shot the lights out um, full game, and they also scored a ton down low. Luca Garza had 27 and 10. So if Michigan State's going to win this game, they have to, and they have the size to throw at, at Garza. Didn't work out in that game, but Michigan State has the length to match up against Luca Garza. One other point, too, Iowa didn't shoot well against Michigan State from three, like I mentioned, around 30% in that game. Iowa is averaging the second-highest three-point scoring rate in Big Ten play. Michigan State is letting up the lowest three-point scoring rate. So if Iowa's not on from three, and yes, they established Garza in that first matchup, I kind of see some value here with MSU, and I might wait till tip to see if I can get a five. Yeah, no, it makes sense. The to me, you know, and we we went head to head on this last week. It's one of the few times I backed Iowa laying points this year was against Indiana, and that's that's kind of the game that changed my thinking with Indiana because how well they played defensively. Yeah, it's a 
Iowa was a tough team to lay points with. Uh, you know, they just they, they don't get many stops. I mean, that that game wasn't a high scoring game, but when it, when that team needs to get stops, they don't get them. And it's just I, you know laying five points with Iowa, it, it's hard. So uh, I, I would I, I would pass on this. I don't have really a play at all. I, no, no strong feeling. Sim- this is kind of similar to Indiana in terms of a spot. It's not a bounce back spot for Michigan State. It's not wasn't a bounce back spot for Indiana. But Michigan State needs every single win they can get. And yes, I was trying to get back on track to your point, Tom. But you're laying over two possessions with Iowa, and you're getting two possessions with the Michigan State team that I don't know if you watched the end of the Penn State game, but I was really impressed with their effort. And it, it might sound like, okay, like what does that matter? But for a Michigan State team that struggled in that in that category this year, just Rocket Watts had a big putback down the stretch. And Michigan State's size, again, down low, was impressive against a Penn State team that is really good on the offensive glass. They really rebounded, too, down the stretch. Uh, limited Penn State to one and dones, and Lankford is really good on the glass. Still, that shot isn't there uh, from what it was like two years ago when Michigan State made it to the Final Four and Lankford got hurt in the in the beginning of conference play. I think there's some value, though, with MSU catching a couple possessions, and I'll be waiting to tip, closer to tip to bet it. Yeah, good luck. I'll be uh, sitting here watching other games. Good luck for the person who bet Iowa last week and fucking lost. That's enough. That's, that's the, well, the, you know, and that's what we're, the thing about Iowa that's funny though, just to close this out is you would think if you had the best big man in college basketball, you would have some kind of interior defense, you know, <laughs> but I mean, you can go in there and, and eat in the paint all day long against that team. So that's, that's kind of the, the weird anomaly with, with Iowa. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. You would think Garza, I mean, Garza is so good at both at, at offensively, but he also struggles. I mean, his endurance has gotten better if you watch him up and down the floor, but like that's a that's a big guy trying to get back on defense and he can get beat from, beat from time to time. Yeah, and that was the issue with Gonzaga, and it'll be that way again if they ever play. And Indiana, like when Indiana was pushing the floor up and down, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's when Indiana's at its best. If you go back to that, those Archie Miller teams at Dayton, I don't think he's a good coach necessarily, but they'll probably hurt me today against Ohio State. Um, uh, moving along here on the card, man. By the way, we haven't really get any, given any total thoughts. Do you think this total is too high between Iowa and Michigan State at 152 and a half? Well, I'm not taking any under in Iowa games. Uh, <laughs> you, you got more guts than me if you're betting under in Iowa games. It's fair. Uh, my man Mertz, my man Mertz asked, uh, Eli, worst person to host a press conference Coach K or Fran McCaffrey, man, I think it's Fran. It's got to be, right? Yeah. I have the answer to that since I was at many of them. Jim Beheim. <laughs> <laughs> the Hey, you got to feel sorry for me. I covered the Patriots and Syracuse. You know how many times I've asked a question and got the stare? And then the <sighs> from two different coaches, the, the, the two famous stares and <sighs> – what was your what was your worst interaction with Jim Beheim? Oh, when I asked him why he always plays zone. Uh, just a point of reference, he doesn't like that question. What did he say? He gave, me, he gave me this. He gave me the he gave me the stare for like 15 seconds. And I'm one of those people I don't like uncomfortable situations, so I didn't know what to do. And then he just he stared at me and then he just did the and then he said, Why don't you go ask Mike Mike Shashevsky why he only plays man to man? Then he turned his head like this. Well, why don't you ask Coach K why he switched to his zone three years ago when he had fucking Wendell Carter and Marvin Bagley because that team was shit defensively. I mean, it's it's not like I asked it in a, you know, in, in, in a said way. 
Right. I just asked them, you know, why did why why did he choose just always to play zone? Was it you know, um, and it was it was right around I think when uh, Cheney retired. So I kind of let it in that way, you know, and he's still, you know, he, uh, when, when coaches do that, that tells me they know they're wrong. If they don't have a good answer for why you're playing zone 99.9% of the time, then you know, you should be playing some man to man. Syracuse, by the way, if we're on that note, Syracuse is taking on Boston college today, 11 and a half point favorite total of 149 BC is plus up five ten on the money line. I know you took a piece of BC in that last matchup. So that lines up. I think it closed at three and a half in the, in the beginning of conference play. And then, so it swung eight points and Syracuse is playing better. They have Sadiba back. Like we mentioned last week, any shot at taking BC today, Tom, or maybe live. I don't think so, man. Syracuse just rolled them in that first game. And that was one team, you know, I always joke about the zone, but there are some teams that still struggle against it. <laughs> um, I've actually, I've actually, BC to me over the last couple of years has struggled against that zone more than any team. Uh, they point. just, they can't beat it. So I actually, for half a second, thought about Syracuse. Then I then I just laughed to myself, thinking laying eleven points with Syracuse. But no, I think uh, I think this is a good spot for Syracuse to pick up another win. Uh, BC has just had talk about a team that's had a tough tough season. Uh, the, I just don't see them getting right today. And Winston Tabs, by the way, is questionable. So that's an important piece for Boston College yeah. in the backcourt. I agree. Um, maybe if Tabs plays, maybe I look at the game and watch the game and see if there's any value live. But I'm going to stay away from BC and Syracuse. I also stay away from Jim Payheim, I guess, in press conferences. You bring up zone like every time. Uh, but it's funny. I appreciate it. Well, um, name me, just name me one other coach on earth who refuses to switch defenses when a team's hitting 80% from three-point range. I mean, it's it, it's not logical. He's a smart man. Obviously, coaches, though? I'm talking about a coach who refuses to change in 40 years. Yeah. If, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not that hard. You just say, okay, play man-to-man now. What's the problem? Hey, Bob Huggins, I was very pissed off in that West Virginia-Kansas game the first time those two teams played because he refused to switch. I know it's one game, one half, but he went to his zone late in the first half and just didn't switch out of it. All right, anyways, we digress. On to the next game. Uh, it's a big game, man, um, with Missouri and Arkansas in the big in the big uh, in the SEC. Um, Mizzou's up to a three-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 150, and Arkansas is plus 130 on the money line. Yeah, I was originally going to take Missouri in this game, but they the they just priced me right out of it at three three and a half. Uh, that's too much. I you know we were on Ole Miss this week against Missouri, and the, that was a great spot to go against Missouri after coming off games against Alabama and Kentucky. Um, and Missouri had one of their games where they shot poorly, and you know the way they shoot the ball, they're going to have those. I do think they come back today and uh, and, and beat Arkansas. I thought they played well in the first meeting against the ball pressure. They played well against Alabama's ball pressure. Now, they do get sloppy at times, um, but I thought in those two games, they moved the ball well. If they avoid turnovers, you know, I think they have a big edge in the paint. I think Missouri gets it done today. Let's go back to that first matchup between Arkansas and Missouri. Uh, Missouri closed as around a five-and-a-half point, six-point dog, and they won that game outright by 13. We were both on Mizzou, I believe. Tillman had a monster game, mm -hmm. 25 and eight. Justin Smith, though, is obviously healthy. He came back maybe a couple games after that. You go back to the Arkansas Kentucky game. I mean, Smith isn't like an offensive force, but he's pretty good defensively in his own right, can hold his own. Actually, from fun fact, from the air, local area um, where I'm from, went to Stevenson with Jalen Brunson, two time national champ. 
Um, I, I think Smith can give him some issues. Um, Connor Vanover, I, I mean, he's not going to match up against Jeremiah Tillman. We saw it in that first matchup. So Smith gets in foul trouble. It's going to be tough. Uh, just looking at it again from a turnover perspective. If Arkansas, see, here's the thing. We saw this against Ole Miss. If Arkansas could turn Mizzou over, and Mizzou, I believe, is like bottom five in mm-hmm. SEC in turnover percentage. We saw that come into play again on Wednesday against the Rebels. Uh, Arkansas with a top four opponents turnover rate in conference play. They have the kind of defense. They have the kind of ball pressure on a Musselman that gets under your skin. I, I kind of like Arkansas three and a half. I, it's not an official bet for me, but it's definitely worth a look. Yeah, here's my problem with Arkansas. I think they're a good team. But when you look at when they played the better teams, Missouri lost, Tennessee lost, LSU lost, Alabama lost, Oklahoma State lost. I mean, what, what's the best win they've had this year? Mississippi or um, Abilene Christian? Uh, Auburn? That's your yeah. Abilene. By the way, that's your Abilene Christian. My Abilene, who, by the way, came back and covered that game by a half point. God bless you. I'll never forget that one. <laughs> the, the, but So to me, you know, Arkansas is a bit of a front-running team with the way they play with, the, with their ball pressure. They're going to beat up on bad teams. But can they beat a good team? So far, we haven't seen it. We'll see if they can do it today. Yeah, it's it's a good point. Um, a lean for me for Arkansas because if they could turn turn this team over in Missouri, that is, I mean, you're talking about their their three lead guards in Smith, um, and Drew Smith and Mark Smith, and of, of course one of the other guards of the backcourt. Like they turn the ball over at around an 18 percent turnover rate. Xavier Pinson, who I was thinking of, uh, blanked on that name. They turn the ball over. All have at least an 18 percent turnover rate individually. So if, if those if that comes to fruition again, like it did against Ole Miss. Granted, Mizzou probably doesn't shoot as poorly, but I, I would lean towards Arkansas, not an official play for me. Uh, Sabaro, I don't really know how to pronounce that. Sabaru, I, I don't fucking know. I'll just stay away from the name. He said, I always thought Tom had hair. Your thoughts? I have a little hair. little hair. Could you little grow hair. that out? Could you grow that out? Oh, yeah. I shave my head down all the time. The- okay. Yeah, I mean, I had I I could grow it. I mean, the hairline's starting to get. You know, I'm old. Uh, the, the I'm not looking too bad for my age. I mean, you know, give That's me a fair. break. <laughs> give me a break. Tom is upset. He's frustrated with our with our commenters. Uh, I'm still waiting to see. By the way, if anybody if anybody gets it, maybe just comment it, comment with a link about the top 16 seeds. That's on CBS right now. Keep it on mute. Keep us on. Keep the audio up. I'm back to ULU. I just want to see uh, maybe a quick conversation about the top 16 seeds. Um, on to the next game that we have to discuss, Tom. We're really rolling along. Nice time here. Villanova at Creighton. A huge game in the Big East today. Villanova, a two-and-a-half point favorite. So that line was up to three earlier this morning. Back down to two-and-a-half. Total of 144, and Creighton is plus 125 on the money line. Yeah, I'm all in on this one. Uh, this is my game today. I got Villanova minus three. I got over 144, and I have over Villanova team total 73. Um, three bets. This, this, is a, this is a pretty even game on paper. Both teams struggle defensively, but Villanova has had a lot of success against Creighton, 11-2 and two last 13. And check out these last seven meetings. Villanova 76-plus points six times, Creighton 80-plus points five times. The Villanova on paper plays a slow pace, but this is one of those games where there's going to be a lot of open shots. And I don't bet a lot of totals, especially overs, because basically when you're betting an over, you're betting on college kids to make shots. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I will say this. There will be plenty of opportunities for this game to go over. These two teams are they're both 
good offensively. They struggled defensively. You know, I'm just not high on this Creighton team. I, I like that Villanova lost to St. John's a couple of games ago, kind of straighten them out. I think if Villanova's on today, this looks like a 90 to 78 kind of game. So I like Nova minus three in a high scoring game. I want to go back to Nova Creighton every the last couple of years because it seems like every time they go to Omaha, they're down at the half. They're down late, maybe midway through the second half, and they come back to win. And know what happened for sure last year? Uh, yeah, they won at Creighton 64-59. That's a good example. Uh, but that, to your point, though, lower scoring – or not to your point, but lower scoring game. Yeah. If Villanova controls the pace and it's more of a defensive matchup. Uh, two years ago, they won at Creighton 90-78. to uh, Three years ago, let's see here. Uh, they beat Creighton at home, and then that might have been the only time they played. Yeah, only only played Creighton once in uh, in conference play. So yeah, I mean, let's Villanova's own Creighton, uh, with the exception of I think that McDermott and Ethan Raggy game where Creighton shot the lights out. Remember that? Like they hit like twenty threes or something yeah. like that the first ten minutes of that game. But Villanova plays really well against this style of team where Creighton's given up I think the fifth highest three point scoring rate, so about bottom half of the of the Big East, and Villanova's out from three which they should be actually fourth highest three-point scoring rate. And Villanova could shoot the lights out from three like we saw earlier in the week against Marquette. And that's one of the reasons why I kind of like Villanova in the over. And I don't do this a lot, but I feel like if it's a lower scoring game, that's really going to favor Villanova. And if Creighton wins this game, they're going to have to play in the 80s. They're really going to have to push the pace. So I feel if we don't get the Villanova minus three, uh, it's going to be a very high scoring game. And I like getting the Villanova team total and the over in that case. So we'll see how it goes. But this is I don't really like a lot of games on the card today. I'm kind of a spot better. There's only one great spot, which you'll talk about coming up. But to me, this is the game I'm really tuned into. So that's where I'm going. So before I get to that game, because I believe, let me just double check in terms of chronological order here. South Carolina, Mississippi, we'll hit on that one in a second. That line's down from two and a half to one, to one, which I got uh, South Carolina yesterday, at least on points, but I think it might be one and a half. It can be in other books. So Virginia, I think, tips at around the same time with North Carolina. Yes. Uh, let's hit on that game first, because that's a bigger game in terms of the context of the ACC and the NCAA tournament. Uh, Virginia, a six-point favorite at home against UNC. Total of 128 and a half, and UNC is plus 205 on the money line. We were talking about it. You were surprised that Kempom had this line at seven. Uh, it, I think it had a very soft opener of seven and a half, got that down to six and a half, and now it's down to six. Yeah, I lean North Carolina here. Uh, I think they have the bigs to create some issues with Virginia. Virginia's not hitting their shots, especially. It just what. Virginia games are tough to bet. Uh, you know, you had Georgia Tech against them. I mean, you should have covered that 99 out of 100 times, yeah. right? And then you go a couple minutes without scoring, and then they shoot 99% from the foul line, for Christ's sakes, and then they don't miss a foul shot down the down the stretch. That's what always concerns me about Virginia games uh, when you're laying points is a lot of these times they shouldn't be covering, but they, they hit those foul shots down the end. So – I do lean North Carolina here. I think they match up kind of well with Virginia, but I'm going to stay away. Okay. Um, yeah, looking at it from a matchup standpoint, UNC is the highest two-point scoring rate in the ACC. Their game against um, their game against Miami earlier in the week was suspended because they're postponed because Miami didn't feel comfortable, I guess, with after Sharp and Baycott were partying after the uh, big win against Duke last weekend. The key to me in this game, and I know it's – Less about this matchup because, again, if UNC dominates inside, which they could, 
Um, on the glass, by the way, UNC the highest offensive rebounding rate in uh, ACC play. Virginia with the highest defensive rebounding rate in conference play. Um, and UNC very good on the glass, too. UVA struggles to create second-chance opportunities. Caleb Love, after what we saw him do against Duke, put up 20-plus points at his best shooting game. If he gives UNC any sort of outside presence where they can go inside out a little more in this game because UNC's three-point shooting is inconsistent, they're dead last in the conference in three-point scoring rate, that's the key for me. And I might end up playing UNC maybe if it, maybe if it gets back up to six and a half. But for right now, I'm staying away. Yeah, me too. The This is a wait. Uh, I, I'll wait to see. If North Carolina wins this game, I'll, I'll have a – I'll hold them in a little bit higher regard. I'm kind of waiting the, you know, two teams in the ACC I kind of want to like, but I don't, or Clemson and North Carolina. Don't do, no. Dude, Clemson got so lucky last night. I know. So I'm saying I, I, there's, I, see, I see things from them that where I want to like them, but I just can't get there with them. I mean, Clemson had no business. I mean, again, I mean, listen, I'm not going to get into Josh Pastner and all that stuff. I mean, that guy finds a way to lose games, doesn't he? <laughs> um, but the, those are two teams I want to like, but I don't quite like. So we'll see what North Carolina does today. One more thing on this game. I mentioned Caleb Love. Kia Clark is going to give him some problems defensively, too. Clark, one of the better, more underrated point guards defensively in college basketball. Um, Action Fanatics asks, may have missed it, uh, Drake and Iowa. We gave our thoughts on Iowa-Michigan State. We both lean towards MSU. Might end up playing MSU-Iowa. Going to play that one closer to tip, possibly. But we haven't talked about Drake and Loyola-Chicago. Any thoughts on that game, Tom? Well, that that's a huge game. Um, the... I mean, I like Loyola Chicago. I'm not going to take it today because one of the things Loyola is devastating on on back-to-backs. The, I mean, they kill teams in that second game. And being that this game's in Drake, the the number's a little high for me. The I'm going to wait to see if this if Drake wins this game. If if they do, I mean, I will be on Loyola like nobody's business tomorrow. That might be one of my biggest bets of the year, to be honest with you. I don't think Drake's going to win, but we'll see what happens. And I'll say this too. Drake better win one of these games because they lose both these games. I know they got a good record, but when your best win is Kansas State, uh, I don't know if you're going to make the tournament. So it'll be interesting to see. This is a great game. I can't wait to watch it. I'm actually rooting for Drake to win it so then I can come back with Loyola tomorrow. It's a good point on making the NCAA tournament for Drake because you go back to Northern Iowa last year. They lost in the first round. I think it was to Drake of the Arch Madness tournament the conference tournament for the Missouri Valley Conference, and they weren't going to make the tournament. I saw some guy on Twitter was trying to make a case for it, kind of bitched him out last year, really pissed me off. Um, some national college basketball reporter. But anyways, go back to this game. Uh, Hemphill, Drake's best big, I think had foot surgery. He's out for about a month. Camp Crutwick should have a lot of success down low, and this is a Loyola team that's one of the better defensive teams in college basketball. It's a huge game. I mean, you go back, you look at Kempom, they would never have a mid-major game or at least maybe not, I don't consider Gonzaga mid-major, but a, a, a non-Gonzaga game in terms of the high major conferences. Uh, fifth on the board on Kempom, but it's right there. It's in front of Oregon, Arizona. We might hit on, hit on some Pac-12 stuff later on in the show. But uh, yeah, just looking at it, Drake doesn't give up a ton of scoring inside the yard, but I think the Hemphill loss is key. He's also so good on the glass. Such a good defensive rebounder. And Drake is one of the better rebounding teams in college basketball. I think they lack that a lot today. Uh, but the key for me is, again, establishing Crutwig. Loyola Chicago is the massive advantage there. And then playing inside out from Crutwig. I think I would lean towards Loyola. Can't bet the game. Might be a little high at four and a half, five. But I, I would lean towards the Ramblers. Yeah, same thing. I lean there, but the number is a little high for me. All right. So on to my, one of my best bets on BetQL. You could download the BetQL app 
or go to betql.co to check out the written content there. Uh, I have a breakdown of South Carolina and Ole Miss. I like, I took South Carolina two and a half. The line's down to one. Um, I would not recommend, to, I mean, when you're talking about a point and a half of, of line differential, I can't sit, tell people to, to bet it at one after I got it at two and a half. But maybe wait to play South Carolina uh, live if Ole Miss gets out to a hot start. Like a good example of that is Tennessee Ole Miss on Wednesday because Ole Miss closed as around a two and a half point favorite. And if you look at the live line a few minutes into the game, Ole Miss was plus three, plus four. So you can wait and try to get a good number on South Carolina. But the key to me for this game, Tom, is South Carolina um, should be able to turn Ole Miss over a lot. Uh, Ole Miss is bottom four in the SEC in turnover percentage. South Carolina, the second highest opponent's turnover rate. Seventh Woods, the UNC transfer going back to a couple of years back, should have a lot of success um, in terms of the ball pressure and just creating turnovers against a uh, Ole Miss team that is loose with the ball. Also, they shot 70% in that Mizzou game on Wednesday. I know we were on them, but I would expect that to dip back a little bit. Uh, if South Carolina controls the pace, they're top 10 in adjusted tempo. Ole Miss wants to play at a slower pace. Uh, if you control the turnover battle, uh, South Carolina should win this game outright, but I would wait to play until live if you didn't get the two and a half. Yeah, and I, Mississippi's not shooting 70% again. I can promise you that. I mean, that, that talk about a bet that went perfect. I mean, Mississippi does not shoot the ball particularly well in that game against Missouri. Everything we could have hoped for happened. It was one of our best picks of the year. Now, right. listen, this is the best spot of the day. There's no doubt about it. I'm not going to go against you here with South Carolina. Great spot to take them. I worry about the other end with turnovers. Mississippi generates a lot of turnovers and South Carolina can turn the ball over. That's where I think this game gets tricky. If it's, you mentioned South Carolina turning them over, if it's one of those wild games like that, I think it favors Mississippi a little bit. The other thing too, which we mentioned uh, during the week about Mississippi, they had a lot of transfers come in, a lot of moving parts. You know, this was a team, you know, that I kind of liked at the beginning of the year. And I just wonder if they're starting to put it together here. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see today. Because if you're if you're putting it together, you got to win these games. But this is a bad spot for Ole Miss. Look at last three wins: Tennessee by two, Auburn in overtime, and yep. then Missouri in a big game. You know, at home now they're going on the road. Can't argue with taking South Carolina here today. It's either South Carolina or nothing if you play this game. Would you play it at one, or would you stay away, or play it live? If, I, if you could get some value live, I would take South Carolina. I, again, I worry about Mississippi turning them over, um, so I would have to see how, how the game's going early. But, the I mean, this there's not a – if you're going to play it, I mean, you got two and a half? Yeah, two and a half last night. Yeah, I mean, if you like South Carolina, I, I would still play it at one. Um yeah. The because they're, they're probably if it goes the way you think it's going to go, they're probably going to win this game outright. You know, this is a we're, we're thinking this is a bad spot for Ole Miss. They're going into a sleepy Saturday game against South Carolina, right? right? So I do think if South Carolina covers this, that they are gonna they are gonna win outright. So I don't think that's too big of an issue for me. Okay, I'm, I would I would recommend waiting till live, um, especially if, if Ole Miss starts out hot. Um, I, I think South Carolina's defense comes to play. This is kind of I know Ole Miss, like you said, is coming coming up strong here down the stretch, but Frank Martin teams always start to play better in the latter part of conference play, and we're seeing that this year. Keyshawn Bryant, A.J. Lawson, two, two really good scores if South Carolina is able to get on transition today and turn Ole Miss over and get out on the break. Um, yeah, my, and my, 
Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the thing. The thing I think that's kind of sticking with me with South Carolina is I know they've had some. It's tough year to analyze these teams, but I a lot of COVID. Yeah, I thought they would be better than they are. To be honest with you, that was another like when I was looking at that SEC, I was looking at Ole Miss and South Carolina as teams that might be able to do something. And so, hey, we'll see what happens. But the a lot a lot of tough issues for South Carolina this year. And by the way, if South Carolina wins this game and we see some good things out of, of the Gamecocks, they are looking at on Kemp Palm, 11-point dogs at Tennessee next week. And if Tennessee wins today, might be worth a look with a South Carolina team that I think comes up strong here down the stretch. I really respect Frank Martin as a coach. What's up? It'll be worth a look for me. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I saw the look, man. I know the look when Tom's like, fuck you. I'm not even close to playing that game. And I know the look when Tom is like, well, I'm probably going to bet that one too. Yeah, that's uh, if uh, if South Carolina and Tennessee win, uh, you can tune into our Tuesday podcast. We'll be leading off with that game. I can talk <laughs> about that. No doubt. All right. On to the last game that we're going to discuss here, maybe second to last game before we get to some Sunday spots. Um, Gonzaga at San Francisco. I believe this line is still 17. It might have come down a hair. Back down to 16 and a half where it opened at. Gonzaga minus 16 and a half at San Francisco at the Dons. Total of 156 and a half. And San Fran is plus 900 on the money line. I will say this before you go, because I have a bet on this game. If Gonzaga were to lose any conference game, it's this game. It is 100% this game. You go. I really hope you played it uh, so we could have some nice back and forth on the game. No, this is all you, baby. Um, yeah, <laughs> the, you love betting against Baylor and Gonzaga. So, uh, the... do not. I bet against Baylor last year. I I fake Gonzaga. Yes. Hey, to be fair though, I pushed in the Pepperdine game when I got a plus twenty two, and I took BYU second half on Monday, and they covered that. So you know what? Fuck you. Well, I was just gonna say I'm gonna play the game based on your advice, but after that middle finger, um, <laughs> now now I might fade you. But all no, right. No, the, no, you had a good write-up about the game. I'm just saying I don't really have a strong lean here. The if you're betting against Gonzaga, you're you're hoping that they come in uh, less. They're not focused. Uh, uh, let's be honest. A focused Gonzaga team is going to beat any team in that conference easily. We know that. So you're looking at the spot here. Um, we'll see what happens. It's it's a later game. We'll we'll see how I do. We'll see how I do early on. Well, it's, uh, you never know with me. I might have a hundred on the San Francisco money line if things don't go well. <laughs> I love that. I'll get a text at like six o'clock. You'll get the text. Uh, Villanova will be down at halftime, like uh, like uh, forty two to to eighteen, and I'll send you a text. Hey, you think San Francisco got to have to pull the upset? <laughs> I love that. Uh, I think, Tom, you had like a really big money line dog parlay the beginning of January. I had a really good Saturday that I went like 0 for 8 my next day plays. No, that was uh, that was great. Yeah, it was with Alabama. It was against Tennessee. I think. That was the first game that it kind of yeah. broke out. Yeah, I was waiting for that game, man. Um, so my perspective on this game, um, these San Francisco coaches, I know a lot of them really well. And like this game means from a, from a, a coaching standpoint, like, you know, this, this team cares a lot about Kempom, like a lot. And they, in order to move up by Kempom, you have to beat the Kempom line. And the Kempom line, I believe for this game is, I think it's what it is at in the market, Gonzaga minus 17. So if if, if San Francisco is down 18 with, with 52 seconds left, they're going to play to cover the Kempom line. Um, and, and this coaching staff, from a tactical standpoint, we saw it last year or two years ago against Gonzaga. They will follow you in a tie game. 
uh, in a one-on-one situation. So I love this staff uh, against, a yes, a, a very athletic Gonzaga team that could run this team out of the gym. We saw it earlier in conference play. But if you're going to beat Gonzaga, you have to shoot the three ball well. I think San Francisco does that. Two really good shooters on this team, Bouye and Shabazz in the backcourt. Um, I think I think, I think think San Francisco, listen, if you want one money line dog from me today, if this is if there's one time Gonzaga goes down before the tournament, it's and if they do even go down this season, it's this game. So little sprinkle, nothing heavy, nothing anything like that. Just take the points with San Fran, but I, I think San Francisco can keep this game kind of close. All right, well, hey, this listen, I told you, I, I give it to you. You had Ball State. I said, hey, listen, I don't see anything with this ball. If you do it, I'll you give you. You shut me down on that game. You're like, oh, it sucks. Awful play. Anybody that tails this game sucks. No, but then I, I said, I'll give you credit. They won outright. That's a, yeah. That was a great pick. I mean, hell, I gave you credit on Twitter. What more do you want? The, the listen, the, hey, uh, I see your, I see your cap here. I see where you're coming from. It's not easy to bet against the Zags, that's for sure. But I told you I'll have some money on it based on your uh, your prediction. So we'll see what. Hey, listen, you're getting a text either way, so that's fair. Well money on it. <laughs> All right, add to the Sunday card, man. Some Sunday spots as we wrap up at QLU on a Saturday big game. You mentioned Loyola Chicago at Drake in the back to back, but Michigan at Wisconsin, the first game off the COVID layoff. Michigan was up by 40 points. In the second half of that first game, we were both on Wisconsin. I believe you advocated on Twitter to take Wisconsin money line as well. I did. That was the worst pick of the year for me by far. I mean, like, uh, you know why it was such a bad pick? Because it's one of those games where I was really confident. Like, I went in thinking, you know, this is a winner. And, man, oh, man, I wasn't – that's as wrong as I've been on anything. The, but with Michigan coming back, you know, Wisconsin's always one – they're, they're not the Wisconsin team. Again, I said this before that I thought they were going to be – but they're still a pain in the ass to play, you know, defensively. So I, I don't think coming off COVID, this is the best game for Michigan. I mean, it'd been better if they played like a Minnesota or someone like that. So I do lean Wisconsin in this spot. I'm with you. No real match advantage for the Badgers in this game. They shoot the three. Actually, you no, know, dude, Wisconsin from a from a, a three point shooting standpoint, like you go back to last year. I mean, they were they were shooting real hot in terms of that 10 game winning streak going into the the uh, then canceled Big Ten tournament, but Wisconsin is is tenth in the Big Ten in three point percentage. They have not shot well from three in conference play. From but a uh, devil's advocate, like it could be a little bit of a get right spot here for Wisconsin from three against a Michigan team that might not have their legs under them, especially in the second half. If you don't play Wisconsin pregame, I'll be on the Badgers. It sounded like Tom will be too. Maybe you wait to see if the if Michigan's up in the second half because we've seen it all college basketball season long. Teams coming off COVID layoff and them kind of slowing down in the second half because it's their first game back. It's not like they practiced for the last two weeks. They probably practiced for the last two days. And that's the key. The, we probably should have talked about that more. It's not so much the layoff of not playing games. These teams aren't practicing. You know, that's a, you know, again, with the Patriot League, it's hard for me to have a big lean on Saturday when teams have been off for two weeks. Right. So that's why I'd rather play the back to back. But that's the key point with the COVID layoffs is the lack of practice. No doubt. And one more quick note on this game and Michigan overall, people are buying into Michigan. They are dead last in the big 10 in turnover percentage. They turn the ball over a lot, kind of similar to Mizzou for me, except a little bit more. Like I like Mike Smith from the point guard spot, but he turns the ball over way too much for me. And, and Michigan does overall. So it was maybe an issue come March. No doubt. We're going to have Michigan winning at all. Keep that in mind. 
For sure. And uh, Wisconsin turns you over at the fourth highest clip in Big Ten play. They didn't turn Michigan over in that first matchup, but you know Wisconsin will have revenge on its mind against Michigan after getting blown out, getting blitzed in, in, uh, in, in at Michigan um, in that first matchup. All right, so on to the rest of the card. Anything stand out for you? Yeah. Uh, go I, I like another Big Ten game tomorrow. You know what I notice is I spit a lot when I talk. The I must be a pain in the ass to stand next to and talk talk with it. My my computer has a bunch of spit on it. The that's nice. The the yeah, I got a lot of problems. Um, <laughs> a game I like, um, and this is you'll probably get some pushback here from you because you don't like this team. I like Maryland tomorrow. The I do too. I t- I, t- well, I said this to you yesterday. Oh, maybe I forgot the, that that you said that. But yeah. I, I know, like you, you have a love hate relationship with Maryland, of course. So the I think this is a good spot for them. The Minnesota is terrible on the road. You know, you look at some of Maryland's weaknesses, like defending the three and offensive rebounding. Minnesota doesn't do any of those things well themselves. Right. So the I, I I like this spot for Maryland. I, that's probably uh, I wish this game was on Saturday because that's one of my fa- I don't love the Saturday card. I, I I like the Sunday card more. I like Wisconsin a little bit. I really like Maryland. I'd like Loyola if they lose today. I like Army probably on Sunday. So uh, it's kind of weird, but I think Sunday is going to be a bigger day for me than Saturday. Yeah, I'll be on Maryland tomorrow as well. You mentioned on the glass, Minnesota, not a good offensive rebounding team. They're you know up above average in, in Big Ten play and offensive rebounding, but they're awful on the defensive glass. Maryland has a slight size advantage in this game. No real offensive matchup advantage, but Minnesota, man, plays so well at home. We saw Carr hit another game winner, another big shot against Purdue. Or, uh, going back to Thursday, but this team plays like shit on the road. Um, yeah, I love Maryland. You know what? My son wants a turtle. Maryland wins tomorrow. He gets the turtle. Really? Can you, yeah. if, if you get the turtle, can you bring it on the show next week? Yeah. You know, those things live for like a hundred goddamn years. Like he, the, <laughs> so he's going to have it till he's, until uh, he's an old man. But yeah, Maryland wins. The turtle comes to the Casali household and he'll be on the air. Well, how does your son want a turtle? I don't know because he's ten. All right, uh, you know. I mean, think about it. What about it. a dog? What about a dog we, or a cat? We have a dog. They they want another uh, one. And I won't allow that. Uh, we the Tom Casali does not live with cats, so that's not a no no chance there. I'm scared of everything else. So basically, we settled on a turtle. Um, hey, you'll see one day when you have kids uh, when they're five and ten years old, they want all kinds of stupid shit. Well, I don't think I'm getting my my potential son a turtle. That's for sure. I'd rather get him two dogs than a turtle. I don't, I don't see the point. But hey, man, each, what, are you, what animals are you scared of? Oh, everything. Snakes, uh, frogs. Uh, frogs. Uh, the, the, oh, everything. I, I'm not what you would call an outdoors person. The, I, I, I mean, any kind of bugs. You should see me in the summer. I got so much poison around the house. Uh, we'll be lucky to live another five years. All right. That's that's a great way to end the show. That is Tom Casali at the Tom Casali on Twitter. I'm Eli Herskovich. Hope you enjoyed today's third live edition of the BeckQLU College Basketball Breakdown. Follow BeckQL on Twitter at BeckQL app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.